This is Mark's chapter 6, verses 30 through 38. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? I'm sorry. I flipped too many pages. Sorry about that. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? This is God's word. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys have a seat. If you are an introvert, you like the beginning of that story where it said, Let's go to a desolate place by ourselves. Because some of you introverts are like, I love a good desolate place. That's my favorite kind of place where there's no people anywhere. And if you're an extrovert, you like the rest of the story where they show up at the desolate place and there's thousands of people there. Um, And man, you're just like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And Jesus and his disciples... we, we probably know the rest of that story if you grew up in church, and we're going to read it here in just a second. But today we, we see this amazing miracle um, that Jesus does where he and his disciples were kind of trying to go to a desolate place, and they do. They show up, and there's just this crowd, this massive crowd there, um, and Jesus being who Jesus is, um, and he serves them, and he blesses them and does this incredible thing that we get to read about so many years later and here now in, in sacred scripture. And Um, Man, what I want to do today is just really, like usual, just walk through this story and see some of the little, the bits and parts of what's going on here. And hopefully you, just like me, as we read through this story, will see, man, Jesus is so good. And Jesus is, one, he is our shepherd. And two, he's calling us into incredible purpose and ministry in this world. If we would follow him and listen to him and bring to him what it is that we have. All right, so let's pray together, and then let's just jump into the story today. God, we, we thank you that we have your word, and um, God, that we can learn from it and draw near to you as we read your word together. And God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Um, those of us in this room especially who have heard this story a thousand times, it's easy for us to just kind of write it off, but let us see something maybe fresh and new today here in your word. And if anybody in here hasn't heard this story, God, I pray that it would just sit on their hearts, all of our hearts today, and just let us know what you want us to know and speak to us by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So quick, quick context. So in Mark chapter six, um, and by the way, if you know anything about the Bible, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the gospels, right? And the, the other gospels do record the same story. Um, this is Mark chapter six, also Matthew 14, Luke nine, John six, all the same story. Okay. So you can kind of go read some of those different uh, accounts of this. And Jesus actually does this great miracle a couple different times where he feeds 5,000, a crowd of 5,000 once, and he feels a, feeds a crowd of 4,000 a different time. And by the way, Mark actually comments at the end of the story, there was 5,000 men 
Okay, so that's how they counted back then. Sorry, ladies. Sorry, kids. That's just how they counted. They counted the guys. And so 5,000 men, we're talking maybe 12, 15,000 people, right, that Jesus feeds in this story, women and children uh, included. But for quick context, Jesus has been sending his disciples out to do ministry. Okay, he's kind of gathered them up and he started to send them out two by two to go into the towns and villages around and do the ministry that he himself has been doing. So they're able to actually heal people. They're able to drive out demons. They're preaching the kingdom of God. They're doing all these incredible things. And then the disciples have kind of worn themselves out doing that ministry. They come back to Jesus. They huddle together and they're like telling Jesus all the incredible things that they've been doing, just like Jesus was doing. And Jesus said, okay, now let's get in this boat and let's go off to a desolate place because we're tired. And not only that, but actually in uh, Mark chapter six, if you guys kind of look through there uh, at the first half of the chapter, you see that um, it says, my, my Bible has the heading, John the Baptist beheaded. Um, which he's, he's killed, right? That usually happens when you're beheaded. And um, he, he is killed right in the middle of this chapter. And this is Jesus's cousin and kind of his partner in ministry. They're not really ministering together, but they're both doing ministry at the same time. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus, the one who announced that Christ had come, the Messiah had come. And so John, as Jesus's cousin, has now died. And Jesus, uh, of course, would have to be sad, mourning the loss of his cousin. Not only that, but it says that they're tired and they're hungry. The disciples and Jesus, like they're worn out. They're exhausted in every way. And Jesus, so he gathers them together. He's like, okay, let's go on to the other side of the lake. Like you ever been in that place where you just need the desolate? You know what I mean? Where you're just like, I'm, I'm peopled out. Anybody get people, raise your hand if you get peopled out. Okay, cool. Every Sunday after church, y'all, I'm peopled out. I'm just being honest with you. Um, going home and taking a nap today after starting point. So, um, man, yeah, I get like that, and we get like that. Jesus is probably peopled out for a little bit, and the disciples are definitely peopled out. So they get in the boat, and they go off to the other side. Um, and that's where we're we going to kind of pick up the story here. So verse 30, or let's start in verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them, just like people do, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to be alone. I'm trying to be by myself. And people just run on ahead of them and they get there ahead of Jesus and the disciples. When, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, listen, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus, tired, hungry, mourning the loss of his cousin. He has compassion when he sees these people. And this is our Jesus. This is our God right here. This is, I think, few verses in the Gospels show us the heart of Christ more than that verse. Because you know, like when you're peopled out and you're just tired, you're exhausted. Sometimes we're just cranky and we don't want to be around. We don't want to deal with it. And we'll get to it tomorrow. We'll figure it out then. But Jesus sees the crowds and he has compassion. Why? Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And who is Jesus? He's the good shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. The shepherd uh, kind of motif is throughout scripture. God's people were 
nomadic people. They were herdsmen uh, really before entering into the promised land. We've got guys like Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph in the, in the Old Testament. King David, of course, was a shepherd. All these were, were shepherds. We really see shepherds um, throughout the Old Testament scriptures. But really the idea of shepherd kind of takes a turn really sort of uh, towards the end of the Old Testament and on into the New Testament. Shepherding was not really looked at with very high esteem at all. Um, and that really kind of started with God's people way back in the book of Ezekiel. If you have your Bible, you can actually flip over with me to Ezekiel because here's what's going on in Ezekiel. I, I think this is important because I just want us to see the, the, the idea of Jesus as our shepherd. It matters. It matters that he is that for us, the good shepherd, because God's people need a shepherd. God's people need someone to teach and to lead and to guide them, to feed them, to provide for them. But here's what happens in Ezekiel. The priests and the prophets were supposed to be the ones who were guiding and leading the people of Israel. They were the shepherds of the people, of the flock, God's people. But here's what's going on. Ezekiel 34, God starts to speak to these shepherds because they're not doing their job. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel prophesying from God. He says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered and there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill, they were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. This is the crowd's that Jesus sees when he gets on the other side of that lake. That's who he sees. Sheep that are scattered with nobody looking out for them, no one taking care of them. But let's skip down to verse 11 in Ezekiel 34. It says this, this is God speaking kind of prophetically about Jesus and his ministry. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. And you guys know I read y'all a little bit already from uh, Psalm 23. But I want to read that again. Psalm 23, 1 and 2 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down, listen, in green pastures. Hold on to that for just a second. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Skip over to verse five. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. What does the shepherd do for the sheep? He feeds them, right? You know where the story's going with Jesus in the crowds, right? The shepherd feeds his sheep 
And it says, man, you, 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 I shall not be in want. There's nothing that I lack, God, when you're my shepherd, when I follow you and I trust in you and I see your goodness in my life. I know that I have everything that I need. It even says the shepherd makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. Look at verse 39. Go back to Mark 6. Look at verse 39. So we're skipping ahead in the story. When Jesus gets the bread and he gets the fish and he's about to feed the people, it says this, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on what? The green grass. Why do you think Mark put that in there? Because Jesus is our shepherd. Sit down on the green grass. Not just grass. Green grass. Listen, we're going to kind of pause the story here because there's really two applications today. And the first one's right here. Some of you in this room, some of you, maybe if you're listening to this later on podcast or YouTube, whatever, but you just need to, you need to know this, that Jesus came to this earth to gather his sheep from all over the, the world, from, from every tribe and every tongue and every nation to gather us to himself. Because we, just like they, we're sheep sometimes without a shepherd, oftentimes without, like we're, we're aimless. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know who's providing for us or where we're getting anything from. Or even if, listen, this is not just about whether or not you have enough food to eat or enough money in your pockets. This is just about your spiritual needs, your soul. What does your soul need? Your soul needs a shepherd. You and I were created to be led by a shepherd, to be led by someone and you and I have this tendency in our lives to, to kind of listen to any voice who will speak into our lives. And sometimes there's all sorts of voices going around in our culture that we kind of cling on to and we grab a hold of and we follow those voices. We follow those shepherds. And those are the kind of shepherds like Ezekiel was talking to, shepherds who are not taking care of us, not looking after our souls, not providing for us. But Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal to us. He is our shepherd. And I don't know, but there may be someone in this room today that you just need to hear that. That's your application today. Come to Jesus and rest in him. Sit down on that green grass with him and let him provide for you and let him teach you. It says he, he leads us in paths of righteousness, right? It says right here in Mark, he began to teach them. That's what shepherds do. He's feeding his sheep, not just with bread, but with his word. Because man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is our shepherd. So I don't know, today maybe you just need to hear that. If you're tired, if you're weak, if you're scared, if you feel lonely, if you're stressed out, if you're desperate, the shepherd has come. And you're not alone. You're in good hands with the good shepherd. Right? The Apostle Peter, when he writes First Peter, he says, entrust your soul to the shepherd, to the good and faithful shepherd. So entrust yourself to him. So let's keep reading the story. Mark 6, uh, verse 35. It says, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. So Jesus with his disciples here, here's kind of the other side of the story, okay? We, we've talked about that. Maybe you're one of the, the sheep without a shepherd and you need to come to Jesus. But now kind of put yourself in the place of the disciples. So maybe a lot of us in this room, you're following Jesus. You are his sheep. You're trusting him. You're walking with him. You're trying to live your life on purpose in his kingdom. 
And Jesus right here in this moment, so the disciples see all these crowds and they don't have food to eat. And they're just like, hey, send them out. Let them go get some food. And Jesus says to them what? He kind of turns it back. He goes, you feed them. You, you guys feed them. So he's in, what's he doing? He's inviting them in. He's inviting them into ministry. He's inviting them into his work. They've already been doing it. It said at the beginning of the story, they were out doing ministry and they came back to Jesus and they're tired and they don't want to do it anymore. But Jesus is going, look, sometimes the best thing you need to do is just to meet the need right in front of you right now. So listen, you feed them. And they're a little bit confused by that statement, right? So it says they, they keep going. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So there's enough people in this area that it would take eight months. It's like $20,000 is what they're saying. It would take $20,000 to feed this crowd. That's ridiculous, Jesus. Like, just let them go. Let them find food. Like, let them figure that out and maybe they'll come back. But Jesus knows we can feed them. You can feed them. Jesus is inviting them in to ministry. Listen, pay attention to these moments in life. Pay attention to these moments in life, church, when Jesus invites you into ministry. You ever have that kind of inclination in your heart and your soul of like, man, there's a need that I can meet here. There's something that I can do about this. Like what, what kind of sits heavy on your heart at times? What, what's something that you notice around in your family or in your neighborhood or at your school or at your job? What are things that you're seeing that maybe the Holy Spirit inside of you is just kind of knocking on your heart going, hey, listen, I know you want me to do something about this and thank you for praying about that. Here's my answer. You feed them. Maybe it's you feed them. Like I'm calling you. God's calling us in to this kind of ministry in our lives. Listen, if you're a Christian, being a Christian ain't just about saying your prayers and showing up at church sometimes. It's about getting in the game to understand that God's kingdom is always moving. It's always active. It's always growing. And he's calling, he's, he's inviting an invitation. It's an invitation in, like Psalm 23. It's, it's, it's the shepherd inviting his sheep in, not just to eat, not just to sit in the green pastures, but then to go and to feed them too. He says, man, you, you feed them. So the disciples were kind of focused on something else, though. It says, verse 30, um, at the end of verse 37, they would take eight months' wages, right? Are we to spend that much on, on, on all of this and give them the bread and, and give it to them to eat? Like, we don't have that kind of money, right? Like, that's what they're focused on. They're focused on what we do not have. You, you tracking with this? You ever get in a place in life? where maybe there is that ministry on your heart. Maybe there is that thought about like what I could do or what, you know, something needs to be done about this. There's a problem that I see and there's a ministry that needs to be done, but I don't have what I need. I don't have the resources to do anything about it. Or, or maybe we just kind of get sort of like, I don't know if you ever do this. Sometimes I can get like this, even I'm just being honest, like where we kind of look at the kingdom of God and we think, you know what? If I was more like uh, that person, I could do more in God's kingdom. If I had their skill set, if I could do the things that they can do, if I had their resources, if I had their opportunities, if I had their time, but I don't have any of those things, so what can I do? I can do nothing. Why don't I just sit back and sit on the bench and let them kind of do it and I'll, I'll cheer them on and yeah, I'll go to church and I'll say my prayers and all those things, but I'm not really gonna get in the game because I don't have the things. That's what the disciples are saying. Like, we don't have it, Jesus. How are we gonna feed them? So look what Jesus asks. Here's our question for the day. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, five and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. 
uh, the Apostle John actually says, they got that from a, a young man. Like, he had it. He had five loaves and like a little boy. And they're like, okay, can we have that? I don't know if they took it from him or what they did, but they're like, you know, I guess he gave it. Here you go. And then they take that, and that's kind of what they collect from everybody. It's just the, those, those five loaves and the two fish. Here's what we have. Jesus, listen. Why, why does Jesus ask them that question? What do you have? Because he's trying to turn their focus back onto, listen, I'm not asking you to do anything based on what you don't have. I'm just asking you what you do have. And, and can you bring that when Jesus is calling us into his ministry, when Jesus is calling us into the kingdom work that he has all around us, and I'm telling you, he is for all of us in this room. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's calling you into that. Stop making excuses about what you don't have or what somebody else has that you don't have and just answer the question, what do I have? What do you have? How much bread? That's what Jesus said. Just go find out. How much bread do you actually have? aren't we more likely to focus on the other side? You ever just focus on things you don't have? Am I the only one? Think about things I don't have, the time I don't have, the resources I don't have, the money I don't have, the ministry I don't have, the skills I don't have, the opportunities I don't have. There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, and it's not on the screen, but in Matthew 25, Tells a story of a guy who goes away and he leaves um, his all of his property in charge of or with these three guys, these three kind of managers of his money, right? It says he gives one five talents, he gives one two talents, and he gives one one talent. That talent's just a lot of money. So say he gives one guy like a million dollars. He says, all right, here's a million dollars. Take care of this million dollars. And when I get back, I'll, I'll collect it back, okay? And then the other guy, he's like, I'll give you $500,000. Here's $500,000. You take care of that $500,000. When I get back, I'll collect on the other guy. He gives $100,000. It's like, all right, when I get back, I'll, I'll collect on the 100000 So he gets back. He gets back, and the guy who had the, the million dollars said, hey, I made another million. So here's two million. And Jesus is like, awesome, great. And the other guy who had 500000 he gets back, and he's like, I, I made another 500000 Here's a million dollars. And then the guy who had $100,000, he says, you got my $100,000? And the guy says, yes, I buried it in the ground, and I have it, and here it is, $100,000. And the guy's just like, why didn't you do anything with it? You're supposed to use it. And the point of the story is not about the money or amounts of money or anything like that. The point of the story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, that, that parable of the talents, is that we are not called to accounts. Listen, you are not called to account. You're not going to be called to account on the day that you meet Jesus face to face for what you don't have. You're not going to be called to account for what he had, she had, they had. You're going to be called to account for what you did with what you have. Right now, what do you have? What opportunities do you? I'm not asking you what you don't have. I'm not asking you how much time you don't have. I'm not asking you what somebody else has. I'm not asking you what skills they got or what talents they have or who's doing what. I'm asking you, Jesus is asking us today, what do you have? That's what he's calling you into. Those opportunities that he has given you, those resources he has given you. So I brought a picture and I want to show you guys this picture. Um, this is a little Venn diagram um, that I created. I did this with uh, students many, many years ago. And I think, I think it's just something that is helpful to us. So as you look at this right here, and I actually have these, by the way, on the stage. If you want to come get one afterwards, you can take a picture of that if you want to. But here's what this is. This is your life right here in a Venn diagram, okay? And this might not be everything. You might could think of some things that aren't on this chart, and that's okay. But I was just trying to kind of encapsulate things that kind of make us who we are. 
So as you think about your relationships, the family that you have, the friends that you have, the neighbors that you have, the sphere of influence, people around you, at your job, at your school, wherever, people that you kind of impact or who impact you every day. There are specific ones for all of us in this room. We have those relationships. Passions. What gives you joy? What kind of brings your heart alive? When you think about like, man, this excites me. This gets me pumped up. This gives me so much hope or so much joy. Or what's your sorrows too? Because those are passions, things that grieve your heart. Things that, things that hurt you when you think about that. Things that just, like, man, they, they bring a burden to your soul when they come into your mind and your heart. That, that makes you who you are. Your circumstances, what opportunities, what challenges have you faced in life? What have you gone through? Nobody else has gone through exactly what you've gone through. But you've gone through those things. You've had opportunities. You've had challenges. Sometimes those are the same thing, right? Challenges are opportunities. But we have both of those. And then gifts. What talents, what personality, what resources. God has gifted you in various ways, all of us in this room. And the Apostle Paul, especially in 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 12, at a couple of different places, Ephesians 4, he talks about spiritual gifts, that God has gifted each one of us. And really what I think he's talking about is kind of as we look at our lives, like everybody, regardless of being a Christian or not, you have these things. If you're not following Jesus, you have all those things. But when you begin to follow Jesus and he fills you with his Holy Spirit, what does he do? He takes this and he creates ministry out of it right? And you are that little green dot right there. That's you. There's nobody else in the world who has your specific combination of all of those things. You're the only one on earth that has that specific combination of everything right there. That's your bread that you have, right? Jesus said, how much bread you got? What do you have? This is what he's given you. And I want us just maybe today to start thinking about real practically, God, how have you wired me? How have you created me? What, what, what joys and sorrows have you given me? What opportunities and challenges? What people are in my life? What gifts, what resources do I have? Again, this has nothing to do with the person sitting beside you, what they have. It has nothing to do with what you don't have on that list. It's just simply God going, here's what I've given you. Will you bring it to me? And now think about this. If each one of us would take this seriously, who we are, who God's created us to be in the ministry, right in that green space, the ministry that he's given us to do, and then we would all do that together, we'd be combining all of ours together, right? We're combining, that's what the church is, right? When we begin to combine our gifts and our talents and our resources, our opportunities, our passions, our our relationships, we, we combine those things together and imagine the multiplication of ministry that can be done from that if we as a church would take this seriously, And I'm just trying to be practical with us today and think through the way that God has made each one of us. So we can take that down. Like I said, these papers are on the stage. If you want to grab one after church and just take it home with you, start thinking and praying uh, through that. But here's the rest of the story. So verse 39, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. This is, don't miss this part. And he gave thanks. Jesus gives thanks. And he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and set them them before the people. So he, he divided the two fish among them all. And they ate and all were satisfied. All were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. How many basketfuls? How many disciples? Interesting. Um, They picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. They were hungry beforehand. Y'all remember that? The disciples. Jesus takes care of his kids. You know, God takes care of his kids. He's a good shepherd. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Number of men, so 12, 15,000 people 
eat and are satisfied. Why? Because simply this, the disciples knew and, and, and believed that if we would bring what we have and place it in Jesus's hands, that what we have becomes way more than what we have. You get what I'm saying? Because Jesus does stuff like that. Y'all, we, we kind of deal with logic and mathematical equations in our heads all the time, again, about what we have or don't have. And we, we do the math and we think about things that will work out and things that won't work out. But when it comes to God's economy, there's this little thing that comes in here called faith. Y'all ever heard that word? This thing called faith, where we look at Jesus and see that he can do the things that we can't do, that he can multiply what we can only add together. We got one plus one plus one plus one is, is five. And he starts to take that and he starts to multiply that by, you know, entrusting this to us. He gives thanks and he breaks the bread. And all of a sudden, however this happens miraculously, 12, 15,000 people eat and are satisfied because those bread loaves, those fish were in Jesus's hands now. And that's what happens when we take ourselves, what was on that screen, when we bring ourselves, our gifts, our talents, our hopes, our passions, our sorrows, our opportunities, our relationships, our resources, and we put them in the hands of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, Ephesians uh, 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever because he can do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. You're standing there with five loaves of bread, and you're looking at 15,000 people, and you're thinking, this is impossible. And guess what? You're right. If that bread stays in your hands, put it into his. And then what's possible, it changes instantly, right? What's possible changes when it's in the hands of Jesus. That's the point of this story. Jesus just wants to make it clear to us that if we will commit to him, whatever we have, that he will do ministry through us and he'll provide for us, right? You get the, the 12 basketfuls picked up by the disciples, like they get to eat too. Guys, Jesus provides. God provides for us as we entrust ourselves. This ain't about getting rich. This ain't about being happy and wealthy and healthy all the time. It's just about, man, let's give God our lives and let him take care of us as our shepherd because he will. But man, he's calling you in. I don't want you to live your Christian life just sitting in this chair, and that is the duration of your Christian walk throughout the week. That, I wouldn't be a good little S shepherd, you know, if I wasn't at least encouraging you to follow Jesus, the great shepherd, into the ministry that he's calling you to do. Guys, God's given you ministry to do. And he's calling you. He's inviting you into that. Will you put that in his hands? Listen, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and that's really been the last two weeks. If you missed the last couple messages, go back and listen to those. We've talked about Jesus as our, as our Savior. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. We've talked about him as our, as our Lord, that we must take up our cross. We must deny ourselves. We must follow Jesus as Christian people if we're going to submit our lives to him. And listen, when we do that, when we confess faith in Jesus, when we come to him as his children, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do in us? He leads us to become more like Jesus and to do. He gives us gifts so that we can do the ministry. He's calling you and I can't do any of this on our own, but God's filled us with his power. He's created in us a new creation to desire to follow him in his will. And he's empowered us to do it by his Holy Spirit. And God's calling you in. I promise you this. You are going to be frustrated in your faith 
if you are unwilling to put your bread in his hands. You're going to be frustrated in faith. You're going to always wonder, like, why am I not growing in my faith? And so as we end up today, I just want to give you really two, two simple kind of practical steps of application today. Okay, so the one is this, and it's what really I've already been saying. What ministry has God put on your heart that you've not yet said yes to? What ministry right now? So I'm just asking you to stop for just a second and just think. Just think with me for a second here. Is there something that God has laid on your heart that he has called you into throughout your life? And again, if you kind of think about that Venn diagram, they're here on the stage, it might help you think through that a little bit. Like, man, how, how has God wired me? What have I been through in my life? You might find, and some of y'all know this very well, the stuff you've been through, that's your ministry, right? You get that? Or, or the resource, maybe God's just given you some resources that other people don't have. Praise God that you have those resources. Guess what? It's not yours. And if it stays in your hand, it can only feed the amount of people that the world says it can feed. But if it goes into the hands of Jesus... It can feed exponentially more if you just give that to him. Give him your resources. Some of y'all have that. What relationships do you, I don't know. And I've had conversations with many of y'all that have kind of come to me and thought, man, God seems to be kind of like laying this on my heart. And I don't really know. Listen, just seek him in that and put that in his hands and say yes to him. What if Eastridge wasn't a church where you just come and we do the ministry? What if it was a church where we do the ministry? How much more ministry will be done in this community if you and I just take our bread, whatever little loaf we have, and just go, here you go, Jesus. Like You take that, and you use that, and allow us to be part of what he's already doing. Um, so that's one. Just what ministry is, has God laid on your heart? Maybe, maybe you just have a heart for missions. Maybe you have a heart for, for serving in the church here somewhere, and you want to kind of know how to do that. Maybe you have a heart for underprivileged kids and you want to know how I can like meet me. I don't know. What has God given you a heart for? What ministry? Um, Number two is, are you being faithful to God? And I'm going to get super practical right here with your money. We're going to take an offering here. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, (laughs) We already took up offering. That's on purpose. I don't want anything from you. I just really don't. I don't want anything from you. And listen, I'm going to be clear when I say this. God needs nothing from you. God doesn't need your money. Y'all hear me? He doesn't need it. Because I know some of y'all, like, especially the men in here, kind of like did this when I said that a minute ago. You're like, don't touch that. God doesn't need it. And I'll be honest, like, we don't need it. God will provide. I believe that. God will provide for this church. God will provide for his kingdom. God will fund the ministry that he wants to have done. I don't need anything from you. God doesn't need anything from you. Here's what, I want something for you. And God wants you. He wants your heart. That's what this is about. What money is about. Let me, let me, let me read you this. Matthew chapter six. Because this is what money is about to Jesus. Matthew six nineteen. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Store, so like treasures in heaven, that's us giving our bread to Jesus, right? That's treasure in heaven. We, we, we like to store that stuff. We like to keep that stuff. We like to keep our bread in the pantry and like stuff it back in there. And eventually we're going to go look at it and it's going to be full of mold. And it's going to be good for nothing. And you say, man, give it to God. Give it to Jesus, right? He says, for where, listen, for where your treasure is, there your what? Heart 
there your heart is also. Y'all, this is about your heart. That's what this is. What, what is tithing about? What is offering to the church about? It's about your heart. What is giving to missions about? It's about your heart. What is putting your resources and putting your money into the kingdom of God about? It's not about your money. God's economy is great. He's doing fine. But he wants your heart. And that's what he's calling us all into. Jesus teaches so much about how we use our money. And I, and I just bring this up. Listen, I know this is kind of the first time just as the, as the pastor here that I felt like God gave me the open door just to talk about this for a second because it needs to be talked about from time to time just to say, would you be willing to give your bread over to Jesus and allow him to take and to exponentially use that for his kingdom? We, we like to spend a lot of time trying to build our little kingdoms in this world. And we can spend 50, 60 years building those little kingdoms and doing the best we can with what little resources we have. But, and I know some of us in this room, you just don't have much. Maybe that's true for you. And you're, ah, I got a little bit. I need to hold on to that because I need some savings. I need to look out for myself and my family. And I get all that. I'm not saying to be stupid and foolish. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to pray and to trust the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you what my dad told me. My dad told me that I was freaking out when I was first married, uh, my wife and I, and we were going over our budget and like, we had one of those moments. Some of y'all had this like early marriage moment where you look at your budget and you go, oh no, <laughs> you know, like this isn't great. Um, youth pastor budget wasn't working out so good. So like I'm looking at it and I'm just going, I don't know what to do. So I like called my dad, he came up for dinner and we just talked about it and he, he helped kind of bring me back from the ledge a little bit. But he said this to me and I thought this was a poignant thing to say. He said, you would rather God be involved in your finances than not be, Right? And I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds better to me. And like, man, if you stop, you stop giving to his kingdom, then you're telling God, I don't want you to be part of my finances. That's a bad financial plan. And I'm not saying, again, listen, I hope you know me well enough and know my preaching. Like, we've been talking about this. God ain't about making you wealthy and healthy all the time. That's not what this is about. But it is about, man, an invitation into ministry and, and asking you, where is your heart right now? What do you love what do you care about? Are you willing just to hand over the bread to him, to let him feed the masses and do things with what you have that you could never do on your own? Right? Um, that's, that's the call. And um, if, listen, if you need to talk about any of these things, you have questions or just need conversation, need prayer about any of these things, I'd, I'd be glad to talk with any of y'all about this. Um, I want to make the invitation to you. If you're on the prayer team and you want to hang out down here at the end of church, um, come on down prayer team. And if you need prayer, please come down and receive prayer, okay? We'd love to pray with you today, all right? Just to, um, man, seek the Lord together as a church and as you kind of wrestle with these things. And again, these papers are down here on front um, if you want to take one home or we can put, we put that diagram back up there and you can take a picture of it if you want that as well. Just to think through this and pray through this. God, who am I? Who am I? And what bread do I have? And how can I bring that um, to your kingdom to serve you and, and to follow you and how, you're, how you wired me and how you've made me? All right, so um, is Christ your treasure? Okay, that's the question. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. So is Christ your treasure? And I think today is a good metric of that. And how we know is, are we willing to bring him what we have? Just lay it at his feet and say, God, that's yours. You take it. So let those things go. Listen, encouragement. Say yes to that ministry God's given you. And begin to think about, even you young people, listen, begin to think about, God, how do you want me to use my finances 
for your kingdom and your glory. I, I, I want you to be involved in my finance. I want you to be the, the main one, the, the Lord of my life. He doesn't get to be Lord of your life if you tell him to get his, get his hands out of your pockets, right? That's like when he's Lord, he gets everything. That's who Jesus is. And he's a good shepherd and he wants to provide. So let him invite you in and say yes to that. Let me pray for you guys. And then, um, yeah, you can come down if you need prayer, anything like that. God, we love you and thank you so much that you show us a story like this that's so amazing, but yet so practical to us to, to think about the ministry you've called us into. God, allow us to, um, man, just follow you, follow you and trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.